Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast. I'm Zach Semke, Director of Passive House Accelerator, and we're pleased to be sharing a series of bonus episodes recorded at FiasCon 2022 in Chicago. These interviews were made possible by generous support from StoCorp and Zola Windows. In this interview, Passive House Accelerator's Director of Publications, Mary James, interviews Michael Hindle of Passive to Positive. Enjoy. Welcome, Michael Hindle from Passive to Positive, your principal there, to the Passive House Accelerator podcast here at FIAS. Um, It's great to see you. I know we first talked, I don't know, probably six years ago. Yeah. And um, you are a very early um, adopter of Passive House to hot and humid climates because you are based in... In Baltimore and Washington. Yeah, Baltimore... Maryland, and we do a lot of work in Washington, D.C. as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we and probably talked first about Weinberg Commons, which was a retrofit. Yes. Yeah. Retrofit's always my favorite topic. Yeah. Um, so I just want to hear, I mean, it's been a while, so I want to hear, you know, how's work going in the hot and humid climate? Has it gotten, you know, are there um, new techniques or new um, equipment or... Anything that has made your role easier in the last six years, or is it still just like yeah, it's a complicated process creating a passive in hot and humid? Well, it's it's complicated-ish. There are multiple solutions, some of which are fairly simple, like plug-in dehumidifiers. You know, like um, but um, to the, the the really wonderful answer that I'm happy to be able to give is that we started working with an engineer who dove in and said yeah okay we get your concerns let's let's just sit down and noodle it all out and and um you know this one group and genium group in in baltimore uh and washington they worked with us they came up with they they had an erv doaz unit it's like a mini doaz unit it's inside um and <clears throat> it has a dehumidification function um, but we had to help coach them how to do um, summer bypass. Now, I, this is a little complicated, a little bit in the weeds, but I think Passive House folks will get it, right? We insulate the building. We manage solar gain the best we can, but we're in Washington, D.C. It's hotter and heck and humid, right? Our loads are going up and up. Just, you know, the insulation hurts that rather than helps it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we found to our amazement on several different projects that we were having a hard time hitting cooling load limits on the FIAS standard. And we found that, you know, doing summer bypass was a really elegant solution that some equipment can't do. So we and have just this, Can you very briefly, for anybody who doesn't understand mm-hmm. what summer bypass sure. is, just briefly explain. Well, the idea is if it's cool outside, but there's internal heat gain, so you're getting warm in the building, right? But the air is cool enough outside. Can you bring that in directly without the heat exchange and bypass the ERV function? Now, you can have a duct that takes it around the unit, but this this piece of equipment... Do we use brand names on the podcast? It's, it's okay, okay, yes. There, there happens to be a piece of equipment um, <clears throat> called the Alpha Air, which is an enthalpy wheel which and um, 
It's a DOAS unit. It has the DX coil, the enthalpy wheel. It actually recycles the air again through the enthalpy wheel to do additional dehumidification. Well, that's great. And so you can bring in the cooler air without the heat exchange, but... Well, and then you can... That handles the dehumidification, but they didn't have a summer bypass function. Oh. But we met with the engineers on the project, and they contacted the engineers in-house, and we said... What, you know, this is a an enthalpy wheel, which means in order to, to do the heat exchange, it has to turn. Just like just modi modify the controls to stop the wheel turning, and it won't do heat exchange anymore. It'll still filter. It'll still. We had a solution. So the, just the fact, and I think everyone listening to this probably understands who works in the design field. You have a solution in mind, but anyone down the supply chain or the design, you know, authority hierarchy, or even the developer can sort of shut it down with a word. Mm -hmm. And it becomes too difficult, and everyone gets bogged down and backed up. It takes another two weeks worth of back and forth emails. Well, this engineer, Ingenium Group, uh, was willing to sit down and just talk to me. They also were willing to sit down and talk to me about plumbing circulation solutions and, and you know, actually run some numbers on the calculations. Now, I know that you know, we work with Stengel Engineering, who are awesome. We work with other engineers as well. Um, but it's just so nice to have those partners that, you know, it's really not a magic piece of equipment. It's like thinking about what could this equipment do if we just think a little bit beyond what it says in the cut sheet. So that, that was a real breakthrough for us on some POA projects, Preservation of Affordable Housing. Um, we have work with them. They're all told, and uh, we don't have a um, you know contract to do all of them, but we're working on the first three buildings so far. Um, 1,100 units of affordable housing. It's a total neighborhood redevelopment. It was the first um, most significant um, free black community right after the Civil War, well, during the Civil War, during Reconstruction. The Freedmen's Bureau bought the land and sold it to freed slaves. They created a thriving community, and now we're doing community. You know, I'm honored to be... <laughs> within the design team working on the redevelopment of the Barry Farm neighborhood. So it happened to be, we, we, we sort of crossed this hurdle um, on the first 108 unit multifamily building. We're going into 139 units. That's currently moving into uh, <coughs> design sorry, development. the Barry Farm. Barry Farm community redevelopment. Right, which yes. is where? Which is in Washington, D.C., I'm sorry. Uh, that's what I thought, so, yes, but I wasn't sure. Southeast Washington, D.C. Okay. I apologize for that. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it's, it's an entire chunk of Southeast, you know, D.C. that is being redeveloped by POA, who are amazing. Right. Very forward-looking, always eager to hear about solutions. We have been able to offer solutions to them on design, but also on carbon mitigation and carbon modeling and that sort of thing. Um, and you're working with them not only in D.C., right? You're working in other... So POA has wonderful relationships with other incredibly skilled consultants up in the Northeast. Uh, so we're working with POA um, in, in Washington, D.C., close to our home office in Baltimore. Uh -huh. But we are working with Beacon Communities in Pittsburgh, um, and they, they just won an award at this uh, conference, so that was fun. Um, and uh, we're working with some Boston developers as well. And we're very, very, very fortunate to be uh, working with Jeff Spiritos and Spiritos Properties and uh, and um, Live Give Play, a, a development partnership doing a project in Western Massachusetts. Which so. I just heard a little bit about in a uh -huh. talk I went to. It sounds super exciting. Yeah. So, you know, the, the other, um, the exciting thing that we've gotten to 
engaged with now is we're on we're working on our third mass timber project, which and um, and another one coming up shortly uh, in Washington D.C. Hopefully, and we're going to be able to explore the hydric buffering capacity of mass timber in a humid climate. Excellent. So that ties this this carbon sequestration or carbon storage, carbon drawdown material of mass timber potentially. And you know I have eyes open and I'm trying to be mindful of, of you know, sustainable harvesting, etc. and what that really means. What does carbon accounting really look like? And the scholarship is still happening, right? It so I'm not taking is. it lightly and I don't think anyone should. Mm-hmm. But well-managed forests can be a wonderful carbon drawdown mechanism and these buildings we're doing are so much easier with mass timber and they're absolutely beautiful and you know the hydric buffering capacity of mass timber in addition to the mass and it makes the passive thing work beautifully that's great and um and just for people who don't know you, when you say you're working with, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that people understand the range of services that you provide, sure. that your company does. Well, it's funny because I think most people know by now, and maybe they're sick of hearing about it, but I used to be an art professor. And um, I was an artist and, and then uh, basically freaked out about climate change <laughs> and decided, you know, I've got to get involved. Um, first volunteered at a firm and then, you know, got hired and then decided to just go out on my own as one person and hung out my shingle in 2010. And so we've gone from doing, our first project was a living building challenge, uh, passive house, lead V4 positive energy building. Why start with anything easy? <laughs> exactly, for a NASA scientist. And that was a thrill. And um, we were fortunate to um, then work on the Weinberg Commons project. With Matt Fine is here at the conference and he was at the time working for Zavos architects and design now he works uh with david peabody and his peabody fine the partners now and um so we were able to do that first passive house retrofit in the country of an apartment building and um that opened the door to uh more multifamily passive house work and so we provide basically the full complement of passive house consulting services we're not a raider and don't care to be one um but we do the full full array of services associated with passive house woofy modeling, thermal bridge modeling. We're getting into you know trying to do thermal 3D thermal bridge modeling now to deal with these complicated attachments at podiums and such. We're um, we're also doing IES dynamic simulation modeling for refining that net po- that net positive or net zero picture um, in, because woofy as many people know, is not particularly good at systems. There are no good systems inputs. There's no sort of performance curve. It's just two settings, you know, for summer and winter. Um, So we're getting into the dynamic simulation to sort of fine-tune that. And um, we're doing carbon uh, assessments and we're doing resiliency planning now. So we're we're trying to embrace the whole picture of what we need to do, you know, as we saw at this conference in the opening plenary and ever since with everyone's presentation, doing our darndest just to do what we can to uh, reverse the damage, stop harming the world, start healing the world. Right. With our practice. Right. And, and we, I will say one thing, and this is, I guess, a little plug, but it's also a, a, the only reason I can do this work is because I have this sort of artist's heart of passion towards real fundamental transformation, right? Um, we are hired generally as passive house consultants, but we walk away from every project having shared with ownership and the design team a full range of possibility. We try to open 
people's eyes to just what is possible, the depths of sustainability. We want to have in our minds a, a vision of deep ecology, even if we can't always achieve it. And um, so that's our goal. We're doing our best and we just keep plugging. But we're, we're still small, but we're growing. We're bringing on two or three more people. Um, so we're, we're, we're just very, very fortunate and honored to be a part of this community. Yeah, and it's wonderful to have the passion that you has carried you through because these projects that you have taken on are very complicated. But yes. and I shouldn't say but and you have great technical services that you're offering people. Yeah, and you know what like I literally didn't know what a BTU was when I took the Passive House training. I just knew that there was a goal. I had and no idea a, of that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm no, no training whatsoever. No, no, I'd never opened an Excel spreadsheet. That's I'd never amazing. done anything. Well, you know what it is? It's, I mean, people say that's amazing, but what I really want people to hear is that it's, um, we, we don't allow people to tell us no. I mean, sometimes we all obviously have to climb down and just sort of accept what we can in a given development situation or a given project, but you don't start by backpedaling. And you don't start assuming you have to know everything to make a difference. And I never imagined I would be, you know, people call me an expert. I mean, I've never taken, I took one physics course in high school. You know, like I was an artist and an artist was all I was ever going to be. Mm -hmm. All of us can make the difference. Every single one of us. And so there's really no barrier if your heart's in it. That's really the only message I've got. Well, that's an incredibly positive note to end on. Thank you so much for stopping by. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it.